0: This podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode four of season five of This Osteopathic Life. We're back today and talking about winning. Now, it can seem like a big juxtaposition to last week's talk about nothing, and Perhaps, and also, of course, there are so many likenesses to be had. And this idea, this concept, this word has been percolating for me for a while in this season, but even before, you know, in the end of season four, when the words weren't quite ready to be shared. And thinking about what winning means, what we make it mean, how we qualify it, also what we're seeking when we're winning and that winning does put us up against something in thinking about those different ways that we engage with this. And more recently it has come up in context for me in my own engagement in athletic races. So that's a common place that we think about winning and also in witnessing my children participate in different events that do have win loss statuses involved with them And thinking about what it's like to participate, what it's like to compete, the experience of winning, of losing, and if that binary is the only way to engage in this experience with this concept, and how we might reflect on our experiences with new perspective. So I'll take my own experience to start. And... It could have a lot of different backstories and angles. And this month, this is the start of June, the first of June when I'm recording this here today. And thinking about writing. So I often come through a 10K a day in May experience. And I have to look back. I think this might've been the fifth year that I did that. For sure, at least the fourth. And then in June, there's a sense of shift from a physical challenge to a non-physical challenge. And of course we could say, well, does there need to be any challenge? (laughs) And the answer is no, there doesn't need to, there doesn't have to be anything. But I orient well to arcs of a month or keeping tabs on a certain experience. And these are self-imposed. No one else is tracking these besides me officially or to my awareness. And there certainly have been physical challenges that have arisen in June immediately following that month of May, one of which was two summers ago, again, all of these months and years. I don't know if it happens for you, but in the post-pandemic space, I say last year, and it really means like three years ago, (laughs) which seems hard to believe. I swam from June 1st to November 1st, right, every day. And that one got a little bit intense. You know, I had swam the year prior to that from solstice to equinox, and that one seemed a little more manageable, a narrower season, And then last year, I let it all go. There was no official swimming anything, and I swam when I felt like it randomly a lot of days because I still will always love and choose the water, but with a much lesser intensity than that year when it became every day for whatever that was, 150-plus days. So in any case, we concluded the 10K a day in May yesterday, and we'll look toward perhaps writing, that has been a natural segue for me is to put words on the page, X number of words per day in the month of June. And I feel inclined to do so. My point being here, taking through all of that, is that my original blog was born on Mother's Day. And it was born of a time when I was preparing to race for and represent Team USA in the long course world championships for age group triathletes. And it also came of this language around the dream and it'll probably be its own podcast. But if I think about that time, that was one of the seasons I was racing most intently and intensely with a focus on the competition of it. And having those memories come up, this was back in 2015. There were victories of local races, of age groups in races. And I thought about my experience of triathlon lots of different times. And it's come up in my life in many different ways. So I was a runner In middle school, really, I was a sprinter then, and due to the loss, or we could say the win, right, if you look back on it, of a bet with my brother, I ran cross country in high school and could not finish the first race, right, didn't have the endurance and the wherewithal, had all these side stitches and cramps, and I hadn't yet had my sports physical completed, so I was so grateful (laughs) that I wasn't allowed to cross the finish line, right, you weren't allowed to because you didn't meet certain criteria, And I could use that as a little bit of a buffer excuse to the fact that, wow, I physically was not ready for 3.1 miles at that time. And I was good at sports in many ways from the perspective of I was relatively fast, you know, in sprinter fast in middle school, but I wasn't particularly skilled in a lot of the hand-eye coordination sports, but I would work hard and get myself there. And so thinking about, volleyball, and basketball, and these spaces where if I didn't have the natural gift and talent, I would definitely work as hard as I could, and oftentimes harder than those around me. And I think about other spaces in my life where things came quite naturally to me, and I didn't necessarily put in that same work ethic, and that was fascinating to me. As I think about my consistency with exercise and with sports and with fitness, throughout my life, really dating back to those earliest teenage years and being pretty much right a guarantee throughout with some minor hiccups around pregnancy or injuries or times that I was precluded from engaging in physical activity. It really isn't because it comes naturally to me. And there is an element of stick of putting in the work, of recognizing that showing up and working hard and being consistent actually can reap a lot of benefits. Now, it isn't necessarily going to take you to a professional or an Olympic level, but you can have some pretty decent results. And now I also want to note that there are people who show up and push and are consistent every day and might not be crossing finish lines first, and that also might not be their goal. But if it is, and they're doing the work and not achieving it, this isn't to diminish their effort or to say it's a guarantee But the running piece was fascinating for me because going from not finishing, not being able to finish that first race, then witnessing my progress over the course of the season and then into the track season where I was very quickly moved from sprinter to middle distance and then eventually distance on the track, to also realize that people got better at running by running more. And now there is that feather edge because if you run more and more and more and more, there's injury. And I had those experiences as well. But in general... Putting in miles can make it so you can run faster. And we could talk about intensity and speed and intervals and all those pieces. But the summer between freshman and sophomore year, I ran nearly every day. And I might have shared this with you, right, with the Steve Miller Band tape in my Walkman with the fuzzy headphones. And I just kept running. (laughs) And I very much could complete the distance. And I got much quicker the next season. And it kind of blew me away. Like, look at that. right? I didn't necessarily identify as a distance runner to begin, And then with that consistency, I was able to cross finish lines first and contribute to my team in different ways. And so there was that element of winning. Yes, winning a race, but also winning by nature of being able to recognize a potential skill or strength to see the work that can go into it and to be able to bring that forward. So the effort there was just as much a part of the winning as the result. So there's that aspect of it. So coming from a runner, I rode in college, R-O-W-E-D, right, crew, in a boat, and then as I finished my undergraduate experience, I can't say exactly where triathlon came from, but I decided to give it a go, and in my first triathlon, I rode a big, heavy, hybrid bike, and got past like crazy on the bike, but I made some ground up in the run, and I loved it. I thought, well, I did pretty decently well. I did not win anything in that race but I recognized I think right kind of like running I think there's something here that I could explore at the end of that summer I was registered for a half Ironman all women's race out in California and had a road bike which (laughs) we could talk about the hazards I had asked the bike shop if what do I do if I get a flat tire because I did not know how to change a bike tire still am not proficient at it now and they said, oh, this bike won't get flat tires, which seems like a hazardous thing to say, because unless it's tubeless, right, There's the bike would get flat tires if there was a puncture or if there was any other reason, a pinch flat, whatnot. And sure enough, that bike got four flat tires in the midst of that race. And Guardian Angels, amazing cyclists, fellow competitors, changed the tires for me, and I finished it in a really long time. But I, I got there. I drank a lot of Coke and ate Oreos, <laughs> on the run because what else are you going to do when you're like three hours behind what you expected to be your finish time but the seed was planted and I took a year off to race triathlon I took the year between undergrad and med school I deferred my admission and tore my ACL about a week in, right which pretty handily undid that plan and so I came back to triathlon during medical school and actually it was really a reprieve for me you know I would go to class and then I had a Housemate, you know, in the apartment complex, we didn't share our specific apartment, but she lived uh, in the same building and she was a graduate student in microbiology and we would bike together and bike lots of miles, you know, and, you know, I swam a little bit and I ran some and I raced triathlon quite a lot. I was able to fit it in amongst the medical school calendar and I did decently well. I would have age group victories and I never showed up to the start line without at least the idea that I could win my age group at minimum. And I want to notice here that it's not I must, right, that I have to, but the idea that at least it was possible. And even that opening of winning being a possibility changed the approach. And as time went on, interestingly enough, as I trained less from a volume perspective, began to follow CrossFit and CrossFit endurance training, which narrowed the time but upped the intensity, my times kept getting better and better. And interestingly there too, I had children along the way, right? So I had my first son as I graduated medical school, my second son as I finished residency. And it was really in that year when my second son was in his first year of life. So he was born in 2010 and leading up to 2011. I raced a lot and I raced quite well. I was getting PRs and I was winning in different ways, you know, local triathlons and age groups at bigger races and qualifying for, you know, different events. And I was thinking, like, what is contributing to this? And I was towing around my kids in a bike trailer, so I didn't really train at the volume that most would train for half Ironman distance, for example. But I always had these the extra weight on my bike, so when I got to bike in a race and it was unweighted, I could bike much more quickly. And I'd push them in the running stroller. And I was very thoughtful, I will say, with how I trained, although I never followed a very specific training plan. That's just never been... My style. I would look at different programming, put it together, and make sure I swam and bike and ran often enough. And so that's where I was. And so winning was happening. And I was still in the midst of work and eventually had my third child, my daughter. And so coming towards 2015, I was probably in the peak fitness of my triathlon racing career. And winning was a goal. Right, And I wasn't sure where that would go or where it would take me, but being able to show up at a start line with that consideration, that possibility, then to see the outcome. And one memory that pops up for me is the Bear Lake Triathlon, which was one of my favorite races when I was living in Muskegon on the Lake Michigan shore, kind of in the middle of the state. There was a weekend where we had the Seaway Run, a 15K, ever my favorite distance, <laughs> And the next day was on Saturday, and the Sunday was the Bear Lake Triathlon Olympic distance. And I would do both, right? And sometimes the Friday 5K would happen before, so it was this trifecta of a weekend. Loved it, loved every minute of it. And in 2015, I was a women's overall winner. And that had also happened, I think, a couple years prior. Probably not in 2013, (laughs) because I was just um, at the end of a pregnancy at that time and not racing. And seeing that memory pop up recently on Facebook, because they moved the race to May at some point. So it used to be that trifecta weekend. They shifted the dates. It was in May, but I saw the memory recently. And it really does kind of blow me away. You know, it's a local race, and we could diminish and justify all the reasons why I was able to win at that time. But being able to just say, right, I showed up, and I was the first woman across the line for the Olympic distance triathlon. And be grateful for that. Be proud of that. Own that and recognize as well, there were lots of other races where just being there was plenty. Some of the other bigger races where we were kind of lumped in with professionals and people from all over the country, certainly going to the world championships. There, I did not have any aspiration of a win, somewhat because the distance (laughs) was 50% longer than I thought, and somewhat because it's a world championships, right? And there's a sense of, I'm okay just showing up. Now that mindset can be helpful because it could take you out of any sense of pressure. I knew that I needed to be mindful of the pacing because again, that was a big distance to cover. And then I also think about what harm would it have done if there was still this sense of what if I was the first from my state, from my country, from my age group, whatever that was, you can find all those different categories in those spaces. Would that have changed at all? And what I remember from that experience is that the swim got shortened because it was cold, which was actually probably a huge saving grace because 4,000 meters probably would have done me in for the rest of the race. The bike was amazing because I had the opportunity to rent a bike there that was a much higher caliber bike than I would ever purchase for myself. And it almost didn't even feel like biking. It was, it was so pleasant and so smooth. And the 77 or so miles felt like the 24 that I had been biking in Olympic district Races that season. And the run was long. And I identify as a runner in triathlon. That's usually where I make up space, but I knew I probably wouldn't here. And so I allowed myself to settle in and just enjoy the run. And it was laps. It was these kind of so many kilometer laps and a lot of them. And I just embraced it right, and decided I'm here and I'm running and the movement counts. And I finished and I couldn't tell you for as much as I love numbers and patterns and places, I don't know where I finished. I could go find the photos and pull it up, but that was not the win. The win there was the showing up, The win there was adapting to changing conditions. The win there was saying, oh, this is way longer than I thought or I have ever raced and I'm gonna go and give it a go anyway. And the win there was representing Team USA and writing a blog and being recognized for that. So lots of different ways to win other than crossing the line first. And both of those experiences of triathlon and lots of different spaces in between have been enjoyable, So it's aligning the possibility and the expectations and the reflection of the experience and knowing that, yes, we can say there is a definition of winning, right? First across the line is the win. Absolutely. And, you know, in a world where we have trophies for participation and we lament that, there's also ever the opportunity to make it what it needs to be for you. And now there are athletes, right? We're in the midst of the NBA finals right now. And, or I guess they're beginning, the semifinals or the conference championships, conference finals, <laughs> find the words, just wrapped. And I just was at nationals with my oldest son, right? And there are certain and specific goals and it is okay to have a goal of winning and then to have not won, even there, it feels better to say not won than to have lost. Although <laughs> comes up to Talladega Knights and that, you know, um, second place is the first loser. If you're not first, you're last, all of those concepts... And just holding space for there being many ways to experience a win at something. And also, if you did expect to get first and you did not, it is okay to be disappointed. I think about Olympic champions who are coming back to defend their title. And I just watched one, which I don't recall this, but from the 2016 Olympics, I believe it was a 400-meter final, when Allison Felix was in the lead and that a competitor, I think it was from the Bahamas, dove, right, and crossed the finish line and would not have been able to do so on her feet but it's it's allowed right you can dive if you cross the finish line first and won and so there could be a sense of defeat and disappointment if you expected to win and didn't from Allison felix and also elation and the athlete i need to look up their name who was able to secure a win in that space and forgive my naivete this was i could have researched this better before i came on here so i'll put it in the show notes there was a clip um that was fascinating to see. And also thinking about, I have fallen on a track before and it is very unpleasant. So that was definitely a sacrificial moment and being willing to win, right? At all costs within the legalities, that was completely within the rules of track and field. So just seeing those allowances. And in this current moment of my life, my ability to perform has shifted. And now what's curious to me is almost a year ago, July of last year, I was running about the same pace I am now in training runs in the eight minute range, sometimes a little bit lower, sometimes a little bit higher than that, meaning faster and then slower. And then Cherry Festival came up. And as I mentioned for the Seaway Run, love a 15K. And when there's one available, I will sign up for it because they keep getting morphed into half marathon, which is a lovely distance, but it's pretty ubiquitous. 15K still holds this bit of a unique allure to it. And so I signed up for it and I did glance back at some of my previous times I thought, oh, okay, well, that's where I was. Fat chance I'm going to get there, but why not aim for it? Who, who knows? And I did. You know, I approached nearly the time of when I was racing and definitely way faster than when I had been training. And I realized, so I put a bib on, give me a start line, give me a finish line, give me age groups, give me competitors, people to pace off of, and I will run differently. My body shows up differently. And in that same week, there was a mile run on the track, and I don't know the last time I've run a timed mile on a track with people, with a start gun, you know, with a bell lap. And I was the master's winner, you know, and I ran a pretty speedy time, not all that different <laughs> than my high school times, which also speaks to right, running consistently over the course of a lifetime can also improve your performances. And that kind of blew me away because I really didn't go in with a whole lot of expectations. And so noticing that, right, the elation that can come from, wow, I really didn't expect that time where I was prepared right, for the paces I have been running. And so for this to occur, it's this huge bonus. right? So if our goal is to show up to start to finish and then we have this performance, there's an opportunity to exceed expectations. And it might be different in a certain moment. Setting the possibility for a result versus allowing for any result to be okay and welcome can have different impact. And check in with you and check in with the season of your life. When I was in the height of competition, going in with this idea of, right, I'm going to do well, I'm going to perform, I'm going to target this certain time or pace or goal or age group placement versus now and it's, I'm here and I'm curious to see what happens. I had the opportunity to work at field day yesterday for my youngest school. And these were, we could say relatively low stakes, although for each kid, it might not have been, but they were buddied up, right? There were two people and they went to each station and they were competing essentially against the other person the whole day. And they either got a gold or a silver because you either won, or you lost, right? <laughs> You're not 1st or last. So you either got first or second, we'll say. And if you tied, you would both get the gold. And at the station where I was, a lot of kids would come in and say, oh, I'm not going to do it. Or they, it was three rounds and best, you know, the score total across three rounds. Or they'd say, oh man, I'm never going to beat them. And I thought, well, and I would say to them, is that, that's not necessarily what you need to take into that, right? You could just say, I got this, or I'm going to give it a go, or this is fun to compete. Like there are different ways we can phrase it. And I did not run, you know, a double-blind, randomized, controlled trial, but I would say observationally, right, reflectively, they would miss and they wouldn't catch anything on a round and they would kind of be down on themselves. They might miss again. And then we would say, I got this. I'm going to make a catch. And they would, right? So there is that power of positive thinking and even holding space for the possibility. And this isn't to undo or be unrealistic, but again, what's the harm in saying, oh, I'm going to see how many I can catch. Even just that, right? I wonder how many I'll catch this time versus I'm never going to catch any or they got me beat. So just thinking about those pieces. And looking at winning of you versus you versus you versus the world around you. And in a race, thinking about if you run a PR, you get beat, right? Personal record, fastest time you've run. There's not a whole lot to be done or to lament or to complain about. Because if you have hit your peak time and someone else was faster on that day, faster than any time you've ever run before in your life, it's hard to really be upset now. It's okay, it's still okay to be upset or disappointed, but to say, you know, (laughs) I showed up, I ran as fast as I could, fast as I ever have, and they were faster on the day. I can respect that. I've also been in situations where I've shown up, I've run, it's a way slower time than I've run before and someone beats me, then you think, well, that's a bummer. And no disrespect to them, they showed up, they ran faster, but knowing there's a different performance within you and were you to run that time, you would have finished in a different space. That can sometimes be difficult to grapple with and give yourself some space and grace to do so. My middle son has been running track this season with a much bigger school. He transferred schools at the semester. And it's interesting to see when there are fewer competitors versus more competitors how we respond and how we train and in his events he hasn't necessarily placed that high so his me versus other athletes space there wasn't a whole lot of winning if we look at the numerical piece but he has knocked minutes off of his times you know and amazing prs and he's seeing the potential he's seeing the results of training and it can feel a victory right you could come in last in your race or last in the heat and have run your best time and that can be a win And so being able to see that and hold that perspective and recognize winning happening in a lot of different ways is really powerful. For my oldest son, he has come through the competitive season of spring rowing here for high school in the state of Michigan and then beyond into the region, into the nation. And kind of three major races that happened. And one was really with the goal of qualifying and the top two in the race would qualify for the nationals event. And there was a bit of a hiccup in the race prior. Uh, His girlfriend and teammate flipped her boat. So she was in second, ready to qualify the boat flipped. She was able to obtain an entry because it was very clear that she was in entry, but it was in the moment pretty upsetting and having to watch that and see the impact of what was possible, both as she was in second, nearly qualifying and then the boat flipped, you know what that can mean. And he raced, you know, in the same race, just a few moments later. And, he was well within second, you know, so there was no one else near them. And so it's one of those, the boat stays afloat. He's good, he's qualifying. And that really was the goal, was to qualify for nationals. And then he had this amazing sprint and he won by a pretty handy margin. And it was one of those moments of disbelief and elation. And so that was the extra goal, right? The only goal, which really was the goal, qualify for nationals, that beyond goal, and he might re- classify and qualify these was winning, right? And he won. And it was just this moment of, wow, right? And and both of those are great, right? Just qualifying would be amazing. And just as a silly modifier to even have there. And then winning the race outright, handily was profound. And so seeing that winning can happen on lots of levels, right? Winning is coming through the heats and qualifying for the final heat. Winning is qualifying for nationals. Winning is staying afloat. Winning is getting your bid. Winning is winning the race, it happens in a lot of different ways. In the following week, in this kind of reverse order, so that was more the regional, the Midwest race, and the following week is states just simply because of the order in which things need to happen to get things ready for the national meet. And in the state race, he was in first after the qualifying heats. He had the fastest time, and they were considering not running the finals because of wind and different weather concerns, And were that the case, he would have won by nature of having the fastest time in the prelims. They did run the finals, and I was watching this on video, and the angle of the camera, it was a similar race where he was catching up at the ends, and it looked like he left it too long. If you watch the sprint, it was a photo finish, right? And they went to that finish, but he had a surge in the sprint, and it took a while. It took minutes, right? And it feels like forever when you're watching the results come up. And I had thought in my head, okay, well, that's a bummer, right? (laughs) because he just won midwest and he was this time the goal was winning states and so to not do that would be a disappointment but you could own right you raced a fast time and you made a good move and then the time came up and he happened to win by you know less than half a second something very narrow very narrow margin and there's elation there too and you could make your peace with it right and both rowers did they thought wow it's really close race and you know bummer to get second in that moment but to feel that win on the tiniest of margins. And then we come into nationals and we could look at all the challenges to mindset. And it was, you know, good to be here, let's qualify for the final, and you're top six of the nation, all these different narratives, and like whatever happens, happens. And I could see, right, he still had this, and I want to win, I want a medal, right? Top three get medals in this race. And so he was winning, for the first 500 meters, right? And we were using that word here in this episode. He fell back a bit in the middle and then he has a very strong sprint. And as it was happening, it was a really close race, right? First place was pretty well secure, but the rest of them were all very near to one another, you know, six boats in this race. And he's coming on the sprint and then his boat comes to a dead stop and he caught a crab, right? Which is where your oar gets stuck. And he recovered it quite quickly. I actually couldn't tell which oar it was. All I saw was like the boat stopped moving and he only had about 50 meters remaining toward the finish line, which really isn't long enough to be able to make it up. He can get moving pretty quickly, but there just wasn't enough water and two other boats had momentum. So similar to States, it was tough to see, right? So first and second crossed and then three boats went across at about the same time. And we sat and we waited and the times popped up. And in this case, he was in fifth, right? But it was, again, a very narrow margin, similar to that of States, but he was on the other end of it, right? That narrow margin was him, across the finish line first and this time he had not so lots of disappointment there so there's the idea of well we were here and we qualified and you know your top five of the nation all these pieces absolutely those can be wins and it's okay to think oh right (laughs) so close and this one moment and had there been, you know had it happened 100 meters sooner in the race you know what would that have meant and how could i have overcome it and gives you ideas for the future both in training and an approach and a mindset that you'll take with you. But it can hurt sometimes to be in that moment, especially at the end of the season when that's your last memory of the season. And so maybe you go back, right, to having qualified at all. And you carry some of those previous memories, which feels a little bit like Uncle Rico (laughs) in Napoleon Dynamite of, oh, hey. (laughs) Uh, If you go back to, you know, 1988 and the coach will put me in there. But just seeing that a win can happen a lot of different ways and recognizing your qualification of winning and what you allowed to count, what you hold as a standard that might be unachievable, how you might set expectations to support yourself most effectively. And we'll just go through briefly right at the end of the episode here, with the definitions and we'll see what hits from what we've discussed what might open up inquiry as you head forward out of this listening space and into conversation with yourself and with others? Winning, the active one that wins, something won. A captured territory, Oof, right? <laughs> Money won by success in the game or competition. Successful, especially in competition, tending to please or delight. And so even there, we didn't touch on that much here at all, but a winning personality, right? How we use that word, favorable, desirable, pleasant, Enjoyable how we can bring it in there as well. So, thinking about winning and what you expect to win, how you're finding wins already, and how winning or not winning informs you on how you want to show up, what summer training you'd like to do, what resources and support that you might seek, and always what the reframe might be, even if the result doesn't change. I appreciate your participation in listening. Share with me, post to me on Instagram or on Facebook or send me an email and let's keep the discussion going and see how we can continue to be for the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.